Emily and her husband Joseph were celebrating their one-year wedding anniversary with a trip to Vermont. They both loved the outdoors and had a great new camper van that they had recently converted from a bus. It was going to be a relaxing and romantic weekend for the two of them to celebrate their love. That's what they thought at least. What would actually happen that weekend was absolutely anything but that. Hello, welcome, or welcome back. I'm Cassie, and this is A Wicked World. Today's case is one that is remarkably similar to the infamous Gabby Petito case. A seemingly happy couple, a trip, and a lot of lies. Now, domestic violence will be discussed in this video, so please be aware of that before you continue any further. This is the story of Emily Ferlazzo. Emily was born July 25th, 1999, in Plymouth, New Hampshire. She was actually born as Emily Schwartz, and she had a very happy and bubbly personality. Everyone loved to be around Emily, and she was ready for any adventure. She graduated from Concord High in Concord, New Hampshire, where she also participated in track and field. And that was one of her great passions, that along with singing. And she was very good at it from what I've heard. After high school, she received her licensed nursing assistant's license. Emily had been working as a licensed nursing assistant. However, one of her biggest dreams was to be a cosmetologist because she loved to make people feel better about themselves. And she knew that that was something she could accomplish with cosmetology. So in early 2020, Emily met an older man by the name of Joseph Ferlazzo. Joseph, who was 40 at the time, was from the small town of Northfield, New Hampshire. The two of them eventually fell in love. And from the looks of it, she fell head over heels for him. Joseph worked at tattoo shops that were in both Vermont and New Hampshire. Their relationship took off quickly and they actually got engaged in September of 2020. They then got married only a few short weeks later on October 12th, 2020. They then turned their family of two into a family of three. And by that I mean with their dog Remy, which is short for Remington. Emily had a good career, a loving husband, a dog she adored, everything in her life was going great, she was happy. Some of Emily's family members actually had only met Joseph once in their relationship, and they said that there was something a little bit off about him, something in his eyes that just wasn't right, but they didn't know what it was. Emily's family had also started to notice scratches and bruises on Emily a number of times. However, Emily usually just brushed them off as accidents or nothing at all. Emily and Joseph's one-year anniversary was fast approaching, and they decided they wanted to take a trip together to celebrate. They both loved exploring, and they figured it would be a good chance to have some romantic time to relax. Bolton, Vermont is where they decided to go. Joseph's sister was actually renting an Airbnb up there. They had just finished converting their Chevrolet Express to a camper van. So they were planning on driving up to the Airbnb that Joseph's sister was staying in, parking in the driveway, and camping there for a few nights. Now this camper van was normally parked on Emily's mom and stepfather's property, and that's where the two of them and Remy lived together. The two of them left New Hampshire on October 15th, 2021, and headed to their weekend getaway in Vermont. The next morning, the 16th, the couple was driving their camper van down Route 2. And as they were driving, they started to get into an argument. So heated that Joseph said, Emily actually told him to pull over and she got out of the vehicle and said, I'm gonna call an Uber to get me back to New Hampshire. 
So he left Emily there on the side of the road and headed to a convenience store. After he was finished at the convenience store, he said he headed back to where he had left Emily to look for her again, but he couldn't find her. According to what Joseph had said, though, she told him she was going to get an Uber, so I guess it was kind of reasonable that she wasn't where he had left her. However, what was suspicious is that Emily had also stopped answering any texts and phone calls from her family and friends, and they were starting to get very worried. It's unclear what Joseph did the following day, which was a Sunday. However, Joseph did drive back home on Monday night around 6 p.m. This immediately made Emily's mother suspicious. He had arrived home without her daughter, and he had also arrived home in a different vehicle than they had left with. Joseph didn't arrive home in the camper van. He actually arrived back home in a Jeep Wrangler. Things were looking a little bit odd. Emily's mom immediately called the police to file a missing persons report. The Vermont State Police then launched a search for Emily. However, they didn't come up with anything. There was no real leads. They didn't know where she could be. And Joseph's story seemed a little bit fishy. The police didn't know where Joseph and Remy had gone. So now they had to search for them too. On top of all that, very early Tuesday morning, a phone call came into the police station. And when they answered, there was a man on the other line named Spencer. And this man claimed to be friends with Joseph. He said he had just kicked Joseph out of his car because Joseph had told him that he murdered his wife. Joseph had also told this man where the camper van as well as Emily's body could be found. The police soon found the camper van after talking to this informant and it was actually located on a property in St. Albans Town on Meadowbrook Lane. Unfortunately, the police were not able to immediately gain access to the camper as they didn't have a search warrant yet. They didn't have any hard evidence. Very conveniently, however, a police officer happened to walk into a local Maplefield store and there he recognized Joseph Ferlazzo. He approached him and asked him if he would come down to the station and answer a few questions as he wasn't able to put him under arrest at this point. Luckily, Joseph agreed and headed down to the station with the officer. Once they got to the station, Joseph started to confess to everything. He told the officers that he had murdered his wife, Emily, and he told them all the details of what had actually happened to her. At this point, the police clearly had enough reason to get a search warrant for the camper van, and they did. When they got in there, the scene was gruesome. They found a gun, a hacksaw, they also found eight large trash bags shoved into the small bathroom. There was one trash bag that was open and you could see a severed leg without a foot coming out of it. It was very clear that these were the decaying remains of Emily Ferlazzo. Joseph told the police that the couple had actually been arguing in the camper the very night that they had gotten up to Bolton, Vermont. Joseph then claims that Emily began punching and kicking him. Doesn't really seem in her personality from what I've read, but okay, Joseph, whatever. He says a little while later, when Emily had laid down, about five to ten minutes or so, he then decided to go get his handgun. So she's calmed down, and now he takes out his handgun. So this is calculated. Joseph then says he jumped on top of her, and shot her twice at point-blank range. If she clearly was not bothering him at that point, 
Why did he need to go get a gun and kill her? The argument sounded like it was over and she had calmed down. So what was the need? Go calm down yourself. Go for a walk instead. Don't murder your wife. Pretty simple. This then sent Joseph into a panic attack, as I imagine it would. He then wrapped her up in a trash bag and dragged her body from the bed to the bathroom and closed the door. The next morning, Joseph says that he traveled to the nearby town of Waterbury, Vermont, so that he could get breakfast with his sister and his sister's boyfriend. He grabbed breakfast at a local cafe. That means the entire time the camper van was parked outside this restaurant with Emily's remains inside of it. We're getting reaction for people who came in contact with Joseph Ferlazzo last weekend. Police say that Joseph ate at Maxie's in Waterbury with his sister and his sister's boyfriend in the hours after his wife's murder. A person who works there says she was shocked to learn that he ate breakfast there the morning after police say Emily Ferlazzo was shot and killed. I honestly was I, disgusted that somebody could do something like that and then just go out to eat as if nothing had ever happened. I just think the whole case is crazy. I think the whole thing, and like, especially after something like Gabby Petito just took place and then right here, right in our town, like, what, 15 minutes in the other direction. It's just crazy. The restaurant has handed over surveillance video to state police. They describe Joseph's behavior there as shifty and strange. After Joseph ate all of his breakfast, he took the camper van and drove nearly 60 miles away to the town of St. Albans. For the next 12 to 15 hours, it's unknown exactly what Joseph did after he dropped off the camper van on the property. However, that 12 to 15 hours later, he came back to the camper van. So I don't understand exactly what his plan was because he ended up leaving her dismembered body and trash bags in the camper, but he left it on the property. So why did you need to dismember her at all? Why didn't you just leave her entire body in the camper? What was the point of dismembering? I don't know if he had another plan and he didn't get to follow through with it or if he's just crazy and I'm not sure. Tell me what you think. So he dismembered her entire body with a handsaw, put all the pieces into the eight trash bags and then shoved them into the bathroom and he left. It remains unknown what he did that Sunday all day However, he did then return home, as I had said earlier, in the evening on Monday night. After Joseph made all of these disturbing confessions, he was placed under arrest and sent to the Northwest State Correctional Facility in St. Albantown. He was virtually arraigned the day after his confession, and he was charged with first-degree murder. He, of course, pleaded not guilty. He, however, is still being held at the same correctional facility until his trial without bail. A judge has also ordered Joseph to pay Emily's family a $1.5 million settlement in a wrongful death suit. He, however, is still awaiting his court date on the first-degree murder charge. This charge against Joseph has also brought up another cold case that Joseph might have been involved in. Back in 2009, in Pennsylvania, Joseph's stepmother had actually been fatally stabbed and there had not been enough evidence to figure out who had done it. While Joseph had been cleared early on, they are possibly going to take another look at this case with Joseph as a probable suspect. Now, I wasn't able to find out anything else about this, so I don't think that the case has been reopened as of yet, but I'm going to keep an eye out for updates because I'm actually very interested.
Oh, and in case you were wondering, Remy was also found with Joseph, and afterwards he was placed in a loving home with one of Joseph's friends. The way that Emily's family described her, she seemed like such a burst of energy and love and just such a caring person. She seemed to have so many dreams ahead of her, and she didn't deserve this cruel fate that her husband bestowed upon her. This weekend marked one year since 22-year-old Emily Jean was killed while vacationing with her husband in Bolton, Vermont. Police say she was shot by her husband, Joseph Ferlazzo, while they were celebrating their wedding anniversary. Emily's family contacted police when Joseph returned home without her. Four days after Emily's death, Joseph confessed to dismembering and hiding her body. Along with the 22 balloons, there is also a photo of Emily at the Bolton Access Road there, as well as the National Domestic Violence Hotline number. This truly is a tragic story and one that we hear way too often. Emily's family saw signs of her abuse, but Emily had just brushed them off. If this is happening to you or someone you know, please call the hotline below. Because it's never going to just stop one day. It always escalates. And I don't want you ending up like Emily did. Well, thank you for joining me and listening to all of Emily's story today. If you like true crime, subscribe below or give this video a like. It's really appreciated. And if you guys have any cases you want me to cover in the future, let me know down in the comments. Also, don't forget, there's going to be at least one new video uploaded every week here on A Wicked World. All right, take care, guys. Bye now.